talk about this is a sicha in the volume 15, the second sicha over there, the second discussion. Discusses both things, discusses the parsha by Yishlach. What is the literal translation of Vayishlach? Vayishlach basically is talking about that uh, after Yaakov, Yishlach, and he sent. And he sent. And he sent. Oh, yes. okay. So the story, the story, the story goes, and he, he actually sent angels, not not messengers, but he actually sent angels, Rashi says. Who, God? Uh, no, Yaakov. Yaakov sent the angels? Rashi says, right, the first, very first Rashi, Rashi comments. That he sent uh, Malachim Mamash. He actually mm-hmm. sent actual angels, not just messengers. Um, so this was after everything, the 20 years, basically, 20 years plus 14 years. So there's a total of 34 years since Yaakov left his home. And meantime, he had all of his family, he had his four wives, and he has his 12 children. Uh, Actually, nine children so far, and and, um, and now he finished with Laban. Laban came and wanted to take away his daughters, and they, and you know, things weren't working out so well anymore with his father-in-law because now the sons got involved, and they were complaining about the sons, about the son-in-law, about Yaakov, that Yaakov was taking away all the fortune of their father the sheep and uh, everything and, and uh, so the bottom line was that finally he's done they make a treaty and they uh, make up Laban with uh, Yaakov now Yaakov has to deal he's on his way home back to his father he's going back to Israel to Beersheba to Canaan to going to with his father and now uh, he's worried about he has to face his brother because 34 years have passed since he left him and since he took the uh, the blessings from his father. But Yaakov, uh, Esau was still burning mad and he was still angry. Rebecca's gone now though, right? She's, she's, yeah, she's gone. yeah. So, um, um, so uh, what he did, what he does was he... Um, he uh, goes ahead and um, he divides. And he goes ahead and he's trying. He's sending to his brother. He he basically prepares uh, prepares three things. He's going to confront his brother. He's, he tries to give him a nice gift, very handsome gift, you know, to maybe that will uh, he'll forgive him because of the gift. He prays to Hashem, he offers prayers to Hashem, and he prays that Hashem should help him. But he's also preparing for war. If he has to battle, he'll battle, he'll and, fight. And how many years was it? It's 34 been, years that's later. That's right. Yeah. So he's still afraid that 34 years later, he still wants to kill him. So like, it's an anger. Because it it's the seven and the seven. And it was the 20 seven. years by Laban, and 14 yeah. years he went in Yeshiva before he went to Laban. Raji says that 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 that's not in the verse, but it comes out because of the calculation. Yeah, mm-hmm. in the pasuk it says twenty years, but, but the, the the numbers don't match up if you don't add no. the fourteen years. Because mm-hmm. Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob were one of the few that believed in the concept of one God. Um, who did okay. he study with at the yeshiva? Uh, well, no, but they they converted a lot. Of, I mean, the conversion meant a lot of people that 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 went 
along with that idea. Yeah. But in any event, um, so he's sending this brother Vishlach, so he's sending these angels and he's trying to make up with him and he sends this gift and he bows and and finally, you know, Asaph is two interpretations, whether it says he hugged him and he kissed him. But on the in the Torah, when it says he kissed him, there's dots on it. Question exactly what do those dots represent? Some people say those dots is really saying to us, eh, he didn't really kiss, even though it says he kissed him. But, you know, it wasn't really a kiss. It was that he didn't really, just an outward kiss, but it wasn't really a real kiss. And other say no. Normally, Esau hates Yaakov, but at that point, after such a gift, after all the bowing, after everything he did, he actually had a change of heart. He actually really <coughs> genuinely kissed him. Okay? But here the issue that we have, I mean, Yaakov in his prayer to Hashem says, I'm afraid, I'm afraid of, 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 uh, of Esau. Lest he come, he's going to smite me, and he's making a whole plan, he's going to devise, he's splitting up the families into different camps and different levels, and if he beats one, the other one will escape. So he was afraid, he was afraid. He's praying to God, he says, Hatzileni, you know, Please save me. And he says, Hashem, you told me that you're going to protect me. And he's going through on and on and on. So, of course, the question is, Hashem already promised Yaakov that he's going to protect him. Mm. And he's already told him. He told him several times. He told him. First of all, he told him on his way to Leuven. We find the Torah tells him. And then later on, in late by before he's leaving, when, when Yaakov is ready to leave, again Hashem appears to Yaakov and he tells him, don't be worried, I'll take care of you. So why was uh, Yaakov so worried about that he was, uh, that he was, um, you know, going to be, uh, you know, attacked, hurt by Esau, if Hashem promised him. So, you know, Rashi gives an explanation, Rashi gives an explanation that, you know, that Yaakov thought, you know, Maybe I've already collected for all Hashem has promised me, for all my good deeds. Maybe I've all collected already everything. Maybe I've done something wrong. Could be that I, you know, I'm not deserving. Could be a lot of changes, you know, from the time that I was promised and from the time that I deserved. But maybe I don't no longer deserve it. Maybe. So he's praying to Hashem that Hashem should help. When the Alter Rebbe, we learn in the Alter Rebbe, when he was released from prison. It was a very, uh, a very difficult time because the Altareva was put in prison by his fellow Jews. And not only fellow Jews, by religious Jews. I mean, they were people that kept the Torah and did the mitzvahs. They were learned people. They were some very religious and very uh, important, you know, people of great stature. I mean, they were... Um, what? Are they called Misnagdim? Okay, you want to call them Misnagdim, yeah. <laughs> uh, but, but it was very, very painful, you know, for the Hasidim, uh, to, first of all, to be accused from, by their brothers as heretics and as uh, not following the Torah and the mitzvahs. It wasn't like this was a, a liberal stream of Judaism. On the contrary, the Hasidim were very... Uh, very religious, they were very enthusiastic about it. But it was a very, very painful time for them, for the Hasidim. So, to have 
Jewish people go ahead and slander other Jewish people in front of the Goyim, in front of the uh, authorities, and to have them arrested, and have them cause some of this was uh, really uh, a, a difficult, a very difficult time. It was a Chil Hashem, but it was very difficult for the Hasidim movement. So, naturally, you had hotheads on both sides. You had and some of the uh, Hasidim did not want to uh, just sit there and take it. They were going to give back, you know, they were going to give back. Mm-hmm. Uh, because besides this actual, uh, you know, incarceration of the Alter Rebbe, but they suffered, generally they suffered a lot from them. Mm-hmm. And um, it's interesting that um, you find, you know, you see the leadership of the Alter Rebbe, and you also see you know, you get a little glimpse of, uh, uh, you know, there were different, there were different approaches amongst the Hasidim themselves. Uh, some of the older, some of the more uh, experienced Hasidim, they went with the philosophy that we have to work it out, we have to be gentle, we shouldn't give back, we should, we should uh, tolerate, we should accept, we should not fight back. One of them was a Misnagi turned Hasid uh, who was the leadership in the shul. But then you had some really devoted and devoted and hotheads, you want to call them, or zealots Mm -hmm. on the uh, Hasidic side. Uh, And they disagreed and they and they had they didn't mince words for this uh, more uh, approach of a more relaxed approach uh, to them. And, and there was one letter that the Alter Rebbe once said that they should, he insisted that they ask uh, Mechila the forgiveness from this other rabbi who they insulted because he was a more, he took on a more uh, easier approach to them. But anyways, but this was a letter that the Alter Rebbe published sent out right after his imprisonment. And the Alter Rebbe writes over there in that letter that um, he uses the verse from this week's parsha uh, from Yaakov. He says, he opens up the letter, he says, I've become very small. What does it mean, I've become very small? Very small means I have become humble. I become humble. Um, every time the Alter Rebbe says, when Hashem does a kindness to you, that should cause you to be humble of spirit very much. Because what does it mean that you get a kindness from Hashem? A kindness of Hashem means that you experience a closeness to, for, to Hashem. Um, anything that is close to Hashem, what it means, how we measure things that are close to Hashem, by how much you are subjugated to Hashem. Um, The more you are closer to Hashem, the less you feel yourself as an entity. You know, like I always used to say that ego means exit got out, which means your own ego means that you are 
take up this space and you don't allow for that space to be taken up by Hashem. The more humble you are, the more you realize, you know, it's very, very simple. You know, sometimes people think they deserve everything or they're entitled or they, they, they just get everything. Um, and they're not humble. They just feel that they deserve it themselves. But um, people that recognize that Hashem gives them everything and that um, everything they have to say thank you, we're talking about before, is thank you, Hashem, for giving them. So that causes them to become uh, subjugated and more humble before Hashem. Uh, so the Rebbe explains like this. So that's why... Um, what Yaakov was saying, why am I not trusting Hashem? When Hashem told him already, I will be with you, I will protect you. Why? So he was explaining. He's saying like this. Because he became so humble in his eyes, because of all of the kindness that Hashem has done to him, because he came over there, he just came with his staff, with a stick. So he had nothing, he had zero. And now he has a whole family over there. So that kindness that Hashem showed him, that gave him so much when he had so little, caused him to become very, very humble in his own eyes. So he started thinking, because he was so humble, he actually underestimated himself. He says, well, maybe... Maybe I've done things wrong. He didn't, he didn't, you know, maybe I've done a sin, maybe. Um, uh, it works the other ways. He says, when you talk about the opposite of Yaakov, he, talk, he brings down over here like Yishmael, Chesed the Klippa, the more they get kindness, the ar- more arrogant they get. They get more haughty. More what? If they haughty, more, more arrogant. arrogant. The more they get. Oh, the more they get. Right? The more they get. If they get kindness, Hashem gives them. So they don't make, it doesn't make them humble. They become... Take it for granted. Uh, no, they become more of an entity. And they bully other people. Yeah. You know, they, you know, they become... The more they get, they become... Um, they, they feel they deserve more. So the Rebbe basically uh, encourages the people that they should not give back to any of the misnagdim, not to fight back, but rather to uh, tolerate to the extreme. What was it? Tolerate to the extreme and um, then neighbors still will help them not to become. So basically the Rebbe in the in the Sikha he says, but it's a little bit strange uh, this words, ki bimakli that with my stick can be actually interpreted there's two opposite and totally opposite interpretations because one interpretation like we said I just came with my stick so he had nothing but the other interpretation is literally because in the verse it says ki b'makli avarti esayarden hazeh I've gone through this Jordan with my stick so what does it mean I've got it through the Jordan so according to the first interpretation it means all he had is a stick so it's just ki b'makli it's with my stick only this stick that I have, that's what I passed. And now, look, I have two camps. Look how what I have. But the other interpretation is that Kibimakli, that he actually took this stick and just like 
uh, Moshe Rabbeinu split the sea with uh, the wind, or he, you know, with, uh, uh, with the sea that it came, with, that he waved with his stick, and then the, the later on it split. So he split the ocean with this, with the, not the ocean, the Jordan. He split it with. So that means that he literally passed the Jordan. It was with my stick that I was able to pass through. He split the water with his stick. So, on one hand, we're talking about how poor Yaakov was, that he had nothing, he was zero. And on the other hand, we're talking about how Yaakov was on such a high madrega, he was such a high level, that he can split the uh, sea. The Gemara says that, you know, the Talmud brings down that people that can split the sea, that's like... uh, uh, shows it on a, a great level. The Gemara talks about one of the rabbis over there that can also split the sea, that split the sea. The Gemara said, well, here you have one rabbi can split the sea. It took Moshe and 600,000 of the people that were there with him to split the sea. And here he does it by himself. Yaakov did it by himself. So, on one hand, the Kibamakli represents a very uh, low level, which means I only have a stick. And on the other hand, we said Kibamakli represents a tremendous wealth on the spiritual level that he has the ability. And it's all in the same word, Kibamakli, which, you know, two opposites. What's the connection between this, these two um, these two interpretations? Rabbi is, is asking what is the connection between these two interpretations. Um, so the Rebbe goes away to explain over here another uh, another idea um, that we find two approaches when a person asks something from Hashem. When you ask God for something. Um, sometimes you say that you ask Hashem because you feel that Hashem owes it to you. Hashem owes it to you. Hashem owes it to you. And um, a person who does the right thing, he does the mitzvahs, he gives tzedakah, he prays, he learns, he does the right thing. And then he comes to Hashem and he says, Hashem, you owe it to me. You need to give me good health. You need to give me uh, parnasa. You need to give me my livelihood. Uh, you need to give me nachas for my children. Oops. You owe it to me. So that's by right. There's a verse that says, Shimu alai abirid leiv That's in Isaiah, in Yeshaya. He says, listen to me, those strong of heart, who are far away from charity, you know, you don't, you're not asking for a handout. You're not asking Hashem to give you a handout. You're asking Hashem, I deserve, because you promised and you said that if you keep the Torah and if you do the mitzvahs, if you do the right things, you are going to provide. So you're asking Hashem as a inheritance. All right, you you're entitled to it because you've done. It's like you're going for a job. When you finish your job, you finish your work. The 
boss has to give you your paycheck because you work for it. You're not asking the boss to give you a handout. You're asking them. Uh, you're asking, you deserve it. You own it. You're, the, the person owes it to you. That's what we would call mishpat. That would be judgment. That would mean by judgment. That means by right. And then you have another level, which is called tzedakah. We ask tzedakah, when a person comes and asks you for tzedakah, he wants charity, he didn't work for it, why should I give you money? You didn't do anything for me, you didn't work for it. Why should I give you money? You say, give me, give me tzedakah, give me charity. Give me. You're asking for a handout. Give me tzedakah. You don't deserve it. You didn't do anything for me. Sometimes we come to HaKadosh Baruch Hu and we say to HaKadosh Baruch Hu, we say to Hashem, look, I don't deserve, I haven't done anything, you don't owe me nothing. I'm asking you for a handout. I'm asking you for tzedakah. Hashem, you know, be, be kind to me. L'cha Hashem tzedakah. So, the verse, when it talks about Yaakov, it says that Yaakov had both things. But Yaakov had both things. It says in the Pasuk, it says that Mishpat Utsudoko be Yaakov Atos the Tehillim, it says Hashem, Mishpat, Justice, and Tzedaka by Yaakov. So what does it mean? So what, it mean, what does it mean, mishpat and tzedakah? Mishpat and tzedakah. What it means like this, that even though that Yaakov had a right to ask Hashem by mishpat, by justice, that he deserved, he was entitled, but he, that's not what he came to Hashem. He didn't come and ask because of the mishpat. He said to Hashem, give me tzedakah. In other words, I don't deserve. I don't deserve and I'm not asking you because I served you, because I'm entitled. I'm asking you just give me a handout. That's, so that means mishpat, even though he has a right, by justice there's judgment, but it's tzedakah, which means he's doing it as a tzedakah. So the point is what's the right? The right what? what's the right? The right because it was a promise made to Abraham that your children are gonna get you know, it. Well and to Yaakov when he was by Rivkabanokum. That's where the right is. What do you mean? What why is his right to do it? He's right because Avraham he, he struggled and he did everything. He did the, the mitzvahs and he did that he worked loyally and he did everything that he was supposed to. Did he wrestle? Had, did, had he wrestled yet with the angel? Yeah. He already, uh, no, he already... later on. Wrestling with later on, that takes a lot, a little bit later on. With no, the, but he wrestled. Uh, what? He wrestled. Peniel. Yeah, he wrestled before he got to the uh, Before he, come, he got yeah, to Sorry, take it back. Yeah. Yeah. He wrestled first, and when he was moving the stuff over the... Because he wrote, wanted yeah, him before. to give him the brother. He wrestled him right before. Yeah, yeah. No, it was after Vayishlach. But no. when he was coming, yeah. Vayishlach Yaakov, he said, the angels. And they came back and told him that he's coming, that he's coming to fight you. 
and then he moved them all over the Maimir Yabek, they passed over the river Yabek, and then he wrestled with the uh, angel, and then later on he actually meets up with Esau. That's right, because he got the Brach Yisrael before he actually... Yeah, before that. Well, he the, he got, got, the, the, the angel changed his name to oh, Yisrael before he actually meets his brother. His brother. So I'm saying, where, where does he feel when he gets the right? It's not the inheritance that was promised to Avram, it's that he worked all those years for Lavan, and then he says, that's why I, I, I deserve, like I rightfully earned all the, my riches and rechosh and possessions that I got. Well, so now it explains why Yaakov, why Yaakov was afraid. Uh, and even though he did all the mitzvahs and everything else, because uh, notwithstanding that he had a promise, but um, if you're if you're coming to Hashem by right, so you say to Hashem, you promised me. You know, your kid, you told them something. They say we have to get you owe it to me because you promised me so. So that's you know you promised me. You promised me that you're going to give me. You're going to do this. You're going to take me. We're going for a trip. Whatever it is, you promised me. So they come to you with a promise. So a promise is justice. That is when, if Yaakov was approached to Hashem was because he was asking Hashem for justice, what's right? Yes, then he would say we're a promise. But Yaakov didn't ask uh, Hashem because he owed it to him. Yaakov asked in a way that uh, he asked for charity from Hashem. Uh, because the reason is because Yaakov was so humble because of all the kindness that Hashem has done to him. He, he didn't think really that he served Hashem so much. He, he didn't think that he's so perfect because he, he, didn't, he didn't evaluate himself. He, he didn't have that ego. So in his own mind, because he was so, he thought, well, Maybe I've done something wrong. Maybe I've missed something. Maybe I'm, I'm not as as good as I as I think. So, but it's all based upon the fact uh, that he doesn't. His approach was not, I deserve. I'm owed. It belongs to me. I'm entitled. Even if he was promised, and even if he deserves, but he approached it all. He wants Hashem be kind to me. And when you're asking somebody for a kindness then you don't go and tell them what, because they promised you. Because you always say, you know, things may, may not work out the same way. But, why do we always also need justice? So why don't we just say, um, why don't we just say um, that we ask Hashem out of kindness. We don't deserve it. Hashem doesn't know it to us. We're just asking for it, but that's also not ultimately. Ultimately, we also need to be, uh, we need to have justice there as well. What does it mean? Because we say, Mishpat Utsudoko Yaakov Ato Asisa, which means there's also judgment over there. So why is it? Why do we need also judgment? In other words, you have a right to ask for charity. <laughs> you see that? There is, there is by right, 
and there is charity, and then there is a right to ask for charity. So, even though the asking is charity, but you're entitled to ask for charity. Okay, so, Yaakov, so what's the difference between being, to just asking for charity, or to being entitled to ask for charity? What makes you give you entitlement to ask for charity? So there's a difference. Because when you ask somebody for charity, what is the obligation? Now, generally, Hashem responds to you in the way you ask Him. So if you ask Hashem because He owes it to you, then Hashem will give it to you as much as He owes you. Because that's what you're asking for. You're saying you owe it to me. So you want your pay. So if you want your pay, you put a day's work in. So whatever the job is, that's what you get. So as good as you served and whatever you did, that's what you're going to get. But when you ask for charity, then you get a lot more than just what you asked for. Then you're getting, okay, you're not deserving, you don't need to work for it. So you might get a lot more. But the law of charity is, when you ask Hashem for charity, (coughs) it says that charity... How much charity are you supposed to give a person? So you're supposed to help them out to what their usual way is, to what they're accustomed to. So let's say if you have some people that... Uh, if, a, if a person who lived a luxurious life, you know, and then he went down all of a sudden, he lost all of his money, and now they're, uh, they're poor. So you're supposed to help them to give them back what they're used to. That's what they're used to. Even though now it's charity, they used to have, but, you know, that's what they're used to. But still, you only have to, but you don't have to make them wealthy, you don't have to give them more, only what they're used to. Basically, when you're asking for charity, Hashem only has to give you what you're accustomed to. You're still there. It's still how much you're asking for. But when you're asking because you're entitled for charity, that is, that you have a mishpat, you're entitled for charity, which means that really Hashem owes you. And you are not asking because of Hashem owes you, because you are showing Hashem, look, I'm not coming to you because of who I am. I am asking you, notwithstanding the fact that I deserve. If somebody really deserves charity because he doesn't have anything, that would be like somebody coming to Hashem and saying, Hashem, I didn't do anything for you. I still want you to give me everything. That's charity. Hashem will still give it to you. But when you deserve it and you're asking for charity, which means you come to your boss, you work for him, and you're saying to them, okay, I don't want you to pay me. I want you to just give me a gift. Just, just, just. That shows that you have sort of put yourself totally away. Uh, you're not interested showing Hashem that you are there, not even as a charitable person, and not in just then Hashem gives you. The Rebbe explains it a bit. Hashem gives it to you in a way which is beyond any limitation. Basically, what the Rebbe is saying is here. If you're entitled and you ask it as charity, then Hashem will give you an infinite amount, an unlimited amount of blessings. So 
basically is you have to work hard to be entitled to everything. But you have to work hard to be entitled to everything. But you're not supposed to ask it because you're entitled. So you can't say, okay, I'm not going to do anything and then I'm going to ask for tzedakah. You have to be work hard and then you give tzedakah. The Rebbe brings out over here, it's a, a long uh, discussion over here. Um, uh, you know, he says over here, he says, you know, all of us, we deserve. We deserve it. Some owes it to all of us. We, we have a right because no matter who we are or what we do, the Rebbe brings that. We find that, that there was a great Russian, Nebuchadnezzar, yeah. who, you know, the Gemara tells us that in the letter that they wanted to write, they said, peace unto you, the government, and the, the king, and God. And Nebuchadnezzar took three steps, and he says, no, that's wrong. God has to come first, and then goes the other thing. Mm. So the Gemara says that because he took three steps before he said to say it, so he put an effort mm-hmm. to mm-hmm. protect Hashem, mm. then he gets for three generations Hashem waited for him, gave him the kingdom, mm. so he got so much reward. So for three easy steps mm. that he took, look what reward he got. So how much more so says there is no Jewish person who hasn't honored Hashem those same three steps like this Nebuchadnezzar did so all worldly good he's entitled to Hashem owes everybody all physical material good to each and every person every Jew because every Jew has honored Hashem at least like Nebuchadnezzar over there who did the three steps for Hashem. He took down the first temple, I believe. Yeah, I mean, he wasn't such a good guy. He wasn't a good guy, and Hashem is still the one. We're just pointing out this. Okay. So, we're saying like this. Sometimes we have problems in our life. Why do we have those problems? Why do we have problems in our life? We're human. It's to humble us a little bit. It's to humble us. So we, we humble. We're humble. But when we pray to Hashem and we say, Hashem, you don't owe me anything. I ask you for your kindness. So then you ask it. So then you show Hashem your humility. Because the whole point that Hashem gave you a little bit of difficulties is to shake you up, to give you, teach you humility. So if you learn humility by saying to Hashem, okay, Hashem, you know what? I don't deserve it. You don't owe it to me. Do it for me anyways. Do me a favor. You're not just going to say it. You're really going to feel it. So that means that you are totally subject. Then you will see that you have all success and all blessing beyond any measures. That in all of your... Without any measures, in all your matters, children, life, sustenance, they're all being a plentiful way. Everything will get And all interferences, things that disturb you, that cause you headaches and give you problems and aggravation, they'll all disappear. 
and you will be sitting peaceful in this world. Just turn to Hashem, say to Hashem, be kind to me. I don't deserve it. <laughs> be kind to me. I really feel it, you know, you know, I don't deserve anything. That means I'm humbled before you because the I got the message basically. I got the message, you know, you're trying to tell me something. I got the message and now I'm totally yours. And the Rebbe says this is also the connection. Uh, the Alter Rebbe was a great scholar. He could have spent his time studying and yet he tore himself away from all of his studies and everything else to teach the teaching of Hasidus and to spread it out. So then he was incarcerated and then he was put in prison. He could have said, Justice, Hashem, why do you put me in prison? I didn't do anything wrong. It's not right. He could have demanded from Hashem. Instead of saying, Kotoiti, I become small like Yaakov, he could have said, God, why did you do this to me? How come, how can you do it to me? It's very, very important. I, I, I visited didn't say that. Look at the Rebbe's humility, the Alter Rebbe. He says, he says, this was a kindness of Hashem. It was an endless amount that Hashem did for me. He didn't. Uh, mm. So, that eventually brought about it was a peaceful way that the objection to the teaching of Hasidus and everybody was standing in a way of peace and everything else. So he came to the game to So there's a tremendous benefit of this level of asking Hashem not for you to deserve. And if you really deserve, I mean, if you don't deserve, oh, you ask Hashem giving you charity, okay, it's one thing, but the Alter Rebbe could have asked. But the Rebbe says every Jew has a right to ask from Hashem because we all deserve the Rebbe. And yet we say to Hashem, we're not asking you because we deserve, we're asking you because of a kindness. And then the Ebishter gives you all the blessings and you are able to find. There's a lot more in this. Well, we have to say-